In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, you are the light of the world. Everybody say, I am, I am. The, light the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, let your light shine before men so they can see your good works and give praise and glory to your Father who is in heaven. A few weeks ago, I brought up this term. There are three types of Christians that are out here in the world. You got the ones that watch things happen. You got the ones who ask what happened. And then you got the ones who are empowered by the Spirit of God and make things happen. And we all came to the realization after the end of that service, we are the ones who are empowered by the Spirit of God and we make things happen in the world for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the week after that, I began to lay out a plan of how you accomplish all that God's got going on for you. And then last week, everybody in this room was delivered of a spirit of fear in Jesus' name and you were delivered of the things holding you back. So now you can go on with the things of God. Can I get an Amen. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the second base step that we talked about a few weeks ago, and it's develop a plan and count the cost. Develop a plan and count the cost. And as we develop a plan and count the cost, understand this. The Bible says in Luke 14, 28, for which one of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to even complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all will see it and begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now listen, this is the part of the vision where God doesn't just perfect the plan, he perfects the person in the plan. Amen. We got a lot of people say, God, give me a plan, and God lays out a plan. The problem is he lays out a plan, but the person trying to do the plan isn't perfected enough to carry out the plan, so the plan fails anyway. So when we talked about developing a plan and counting the cost, God's really not developing a plan. God's always had the plan. He's got to develop you to complete the plan. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, I am am. in developing mode mode. right now. So God is wanting to develop you to complete the plan that he has for your life. God is wanting to develop you to complete the plan so you can accomplish shine brighter, shine farther. God is wanting to develop you and take you this morning to a whole nother level. Amen. He's wanting to rise you up to a new plane. Amen. And even when, what we learned a couple Wednesday nights ago when Jeff was preaching, the first words God told Joshua was, Joshua, arise. That arise doesn't mean stand up like you've been sitting in a chair. That arise means come up to a whole nother level. Amen. And so this morning, when you watch a football game or you watch a baseball game, you got a bunch of players that are dressed up in uniform. But even on a football field, you only have 22 contenders. You only have 22 people playing at a time on a football field. 11 against 11. On a soccer field, you have 22. 11 against 11. On a baseball field, you have one against nine. Okay, so you got contenders. Amen. You got the one batter against the nine people out there. Correct? So you got one against nine. And so hear me on this. God doesn't want just players in uniform. God wants people who are contenders. Amen. Amen. Have you ever seen the TV show that was a recent hit a few years back called The Contender? It's where they got 22 guys and they'd fight each other and they'd work all their way and you'd have one champion and he didn't really win. He just got to be put into the actual arena now to actually fight a real fighter. And the show was called The Contender. God's wanting people this morning not to just be players But he wants you to be a contender. He wants you to be one of the ones on the field competing to win the prize. 
Paul says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of the high calling. Paul goes on to say, I beat my body. I make it a slave so that when the time comes, I can be proven faithful. Amen. So in this process of developing, God doesn't need to develop a plan. God is all-knowing. Amen. So God's got his plan. God needs to develop people to complete the plan. And those people are not players. Those people then move from the area of player to contender. And so this morning, we're going to talk about you contending in the arena of God. Amen? And I love how our Sunday school program works. Because more often than not, during our Sunday school hour, I get people who come out of a believer's class. And even this morning in victory class, I told the Sunday school teacher, I said, listen, why did you already preach my message? She must have jacked my laptop or my iPad when I was at a conference all weekend and stole my message. No, the fact is God's working on developing contenders all through the way Bible church through our Sunday school hour, amen. So if you're not a part of it, we want you to come in and be a part of it. When you found Genesis chapter number 32, say amen. amen. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 32, and this is one of my favorite accounts in all of scripture, and Jacob was left alone. Everybody say alone. How many of you know when you work out, you work out alone many times? How many times when you know that you're trying to become a contender, there's hours upon hours that you spend alone and you are developing, or God in the, the, the spiritual sense is developing you. See, a lot of people who want to be contenders, they just want to be a contender. They're not willing to pay the price to contend for the price of the high calling. And so if you want to be more than just a player and you want to become a contender, there's going to be some time that you spend alone. There's going to be an arena that you spend in, and it's called the arena of being alone, where many times it comes down to just you and one other person, and that's God himself. And in that arena where you begin to contend, before God is going to let you contend in the world, you're going to contend with him. Somebody give me an amen on that. That's good. See, a lot of people want to go contend in the world and say, Pastor, I would love to do some of the things that we see the church doing and be a part of it. Until you begin to contend with God alone, you'll never contend out in the world and have victory. Amen. See, we've got a lot of Christians who want to contend in the world but haven't spent alone time with God, and therefore they won't be victorious in the world because they haven't contended in the private times of their life. And if you don't contend in the private times of your life, you'll be defeated in the arena of the world. Amen? Amen. So the first thing you got to realize is there's going to be some alone time in this contention process. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel, for you have striven or contended with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob was called, Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So Father, this morning I pray that we would become contenders in your field this morning. Lord God, that we would contend with you this morning. Lord God, that we would come and see you face to face today. And Lord God, we would leave here with a blessing like we've never experienced in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible says in Genesis 32 verse 24, and a man wrestled 
with him until daybreak. Everybody say he wrestled. A man wrestled with him until daybreak. God wants you, hear me on this, God wants you to keep coming back for more. God wants you to keep coming back for more. Me and my three-year-old son, we have wrestling matches at our house. And now my two-year-old and my three-year-old try to gang up on me, and we have wrestling matches at our house. And one thing Caleb has now picked up on, because dad always says it, he's like, want some? And he holds his fist up, and he's like, dad, do you want some? He wants to contend with his father. He wants to contend with his dad. This is not a negative thing. You are not fighting against God. you got to understand this. So many people read this and say, Jacob was fighting against God. No, he was contending with God. Because God knows this. Here's my first point. Until you begin to wrestle with God and win, you'll never win a battle in the world. You cannot expect to win the world's battle until you can wrestle with God. And God says, you have contended with me and with man, and you have prevailed. That just said Jacob contended with God and Jacob prevailed. I shudder to think of the day when my son prevails. <laughs> and really, I hope it's when he's about seven years old because he'll be 6'3", 250, and big and mad. Amen. Hey, I'm believing for miracles for my boys. Amen. He wants to contend with his father. Why? Because when he contends with his father, he gets praised. When he contends with his father, he builds his strength. When he contends with his father, he gets lifted up and thrown across the room onto the couch. Amen. When he contends with his father, it develops his mental process. When he contends with his father, he begins to think about how can I get dad. When he contends with his father, God, or he, I begin to show him things. When you contend with your father... He will show you things. He will develop you. He will strengthen you. He will guide you. He will make a way for you. He will begin to develop you. So when you can contend with Almighty God, you'll be able to defeat the battles in the world. Amen. See, the problem with many Christians is you don't spend time alone contending with God. Therefore, when the battles of the world show up, you got to run and hide behind Daddy, not Almighty God the Father who you've been contending with. Now, Daddy will stand up for you. I will stand up for my boys till the day is long. But I don't want to have to be standing up for my boy when he's 22 because I want him to contend with his father now so he can fight his battles later. See, I'm believing for Caleb and Aaron's ministry to triple mine. Come on. That's godly legacy. That's a whole other section. You've got to understand this this morning. In this process, God has given some of you vision. God has given some of you focus. God has given some of you plans. God has given some of you uh, specific steps to walk out to make shine brighter, shine farther happen in your personal life, in your family, and in this church, and to see the gospel spread around the world. In that process, though, some of you have come to me, which is great and godly and everything, and we've contended about it, right? We sit down, and we talk about how we're going to do it. We talk about how this is going to take place. And I can tell when I'm talking to people and we're contending, contending isn't negative, when we're contending, when I say something, Colton, and it hurts their feelings. I'm not intentionally trying to hurt your feelings. I would never do such a thing. But understand this, until you contend at a higher level than where you're at, you'll never go to the next level. I'm wanting you, as we contend in a vision, talking, discussion, to raise your thinking to the next level. Because if you can already accomplish it now, great, but let's raise it to the next level and accomplish something greater. Listen, I purposely meet with pastors once a month 
that are smarter than me, that pastor bigger churches than me, that walk in greater levels of anointing than I walk in, and I contend with them on our vision. I say, this is what God's laid out. This is the strategic plan we're going. And if I can't contend with godly people who love me so they can raise my level to the next level, how can I contend with the world that already hates me? See, contending is not a bad thing. Contending is to raise you to the next level. Contending is to rise you up to a point that you haven't been before. And so as you begin to contend with one another, and you contend with God, God is setting you up for victory out in the world. See, if you can't contend with a God who loves you and not get your feelings hurt, you're going to get crushed by a world who hates you. Amen? And we got so many Christians who haven't been contending with God... And they're getting crushed by the world, and they're saying, God, let them down. So not true. So not true. God wants you to contend with him. You know how many times God says, Joel, you're wrong? All the time. I said, God, what about this? What if we do this? Nope, don't do that. Why? Because this is what's going to happen. Sure enough, I've done it on my own before, and watch what happened. (laughs) And God says, "I I told you. God's still there to pick it up. God's still there to take care of me. But I've learned very quickly that when I contend with God, he's not doing things to hurt my feelings. He's doing things to rise me to another level. God wants this church to begin to contend with God so he can rise you to a whole other level. God is wanting men in this congregation to begin to contend with God on the area of a kingdom level so he can make your kingdom or his kingdom come into your household. He's wanting to rise you to the next level. If you can wrestle with God and win, you'll win every battle in the world. Remember that. If you can wrestle with God and win, you'll win every single battle in the world. Everybody do me a favor. Stand up this morning. Lock arms with the person next to you. Don't go about across the aisles. Just in your section. Lock arms with the person next to you. Some of y'all are like, I ain't been this close to somebody in a long time. Some of y'all visitors are like, oh my goodness. I came to this church because I wanted my own private space. <laughs> man, lock arms, man. And, and get good. I mean, get tight, okay? I, I mean, get, get, lock it in. Could, could, lock it in, because hear me on this next point. When you, hear me on this next point. When you cannot be shaken by God, you will not be shaken by the world. When you cannot be shaken by God, you will not be shaken by the world. Listen to this. Jacob said, God, I will not let go until you bless me. I will not let go until you bless me. We as the body of Christ, we must begin to not be shaken by the things of the world. We must begin to interlock arms with one another. So as we begin to walk forth in this vision, there, if I begin to shake it, if Colton was by himself and he wasn't fighting back, <laughs> I could probably get him and pull him up here and set him over here. I'm not contending with just Colton now. I'm not contending with just Colton because he's got Mama Griggs, he's got Miss Andy, he's got Mitch, He's got Trina, he's got Amy, he's got Pastor Jeff, he's got my wife, so you already win. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. See, the thing about it is, stay in interlocking arms, stay like that just for a minute. The thing about it is, many of you have not interlocked with God and with one another, and so when the shaking comes from God in the area of contention, you get shaken. But Jacob said this, I'm not going to let go, God, until you bless me. That means he had a pit bulldog grip, Amen. And I understand outside of Northeast Texas, when they listen on radio and internet around the world, we may have some dog lovers or haters who don't even like pit bulls. But the one thing I love about a pit bull is, Damon showed me this, they will latch on and they will not let go. They will die before they let go. I'm wondering when you're going to grab onto God and not let go. Jacob said, I will not let go until you bless me. 
Some of you in your contention process, you've been praying for a month. Now, God, what is my what? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to accomplish? What is my role in this vision? And you're getting frustrated and you're about to quit. God's just seeing how long you're going to hang on before you get shaken. God's just going to test your endurance level because what he's got planned for you is rising you to another level because if you could already handle it now, he's already given it to you now. Do not get shaken by God, and if you're not shaken by God, you'll not be shaken by the world. You want to know why I do not worry about what the world thinks about our vision? Because I got over 500 church members interlocking arm with me as we go forward and shine brighter, shine farther. I got over 500 people on board with this vision. World can't shake that because God couldn't shake me. God said, when I can't shake you with this, Joel, the world can't stop you with it. When God can't shake you, okay, the world can't shake you. Listen, there's been nights during this vision when I've woke up and, and Damon hit it on the head. Man, sometimes people don't know the toll that things like this take on somebody. I woke up, man, two weeks after we started this vision. I woke up in the middle of the night and first thought in my head was, $500,000, Joel, $500, Joel, you're an idiot. <laughs> First thought that crossed in my head at 3.30 in the morning, right when I woke up, I looked at the clock, it said 3.30, and the thought, $500,000, you're an idiot, crossed my head. Uh, immediately, and then I got the butterflies in my stomach. Oh, God, how are we going to do this? I don't know how it's going to accomplish. I don't understand. How are we going to pay? And God said, I can't shake you. And when God can't shake you, the world can't shake you. And so understand, when you start out this walking by faith thing and stepping up and you're interlocked with people, it's a lot harder to be shaken. You cannot be shaken when you stay interlocked with people. This is where the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord flourish in the courts of their God. And you are a lot better to stay planted when you're locked in with people, amen, than to do it by yourself. Now, I love the fact that some of you in your shine brighter, shine farther vision, it's too big for just you. It was too big for Melissa to bake three or make 300 cups of stew and chili for today. So... By locking arms with several people in the church, she couldn't back out of her vision. <laughs> she could have shook it and said, oh, it's just not going to work out this weekend. Pastor, can we postpone it? She could have backed out easily. Now that she had 10 people on board willing to help her cook, saying, I'm getting up at 3 in the morning too, it's like, oh, I can't be shaken. Hear me on this. You want to know why I'm so pumped about this vision? Because I can't be shaken from it anymore. Y'all all know it. <laughs> Y'all are all going to run with it. Y'all are already out there, shine brighter, shine farther, telling everybody in the world about it. I've had people who don't even go to church come in and say, I've heard about your shine brighter, shine farther thing at your church. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm not shaking. I am not shaking. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. The Bible says this, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. When you begin to link up and are not shaking, God is going to begin to sharpen your abilities. In this vision process, hear me, I purposely sit down with people, purposely sit down with people who think different than me. I purposely sit down with people who think different than me so they can critique my vision, okay? I'm very evangelic, energetic, type A personality, so I sit down with people who are not. I sit down with the rational people, <laughs> I sit down with the people who firmly keep me grounded because if not, I'd float off into oblivion somewhere on a vision. I do it for a reason because iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. I know everybody in this church, all our members of this church support the shine brighter, shine farther vision. And I've sat down and talked with specific people in this church as the vision has gone forward and saying, what are you seeing that I'm missing? Not because they're telling me I'm wrong, but because they're sharpening me. They're making it better. 
When, God be, when you begin to contend with God and wrestle with God, and when you can wrestle with God, you'll be able to win every battle in the world. But God also brings people in your life who think differently than you for a reason. They're not to be a thorn in your flesh. See, some of y'all are trying to pray out the very people God brought into your life to make you better. Thank you, Jesus. I got people in my life who are specifically called to make me better. Amen. Some of you know what I'm saying. They're specifically called to make me better, and I will present part of the vision to them, or I will present the whole vision to them, or I'll present part of the theology to them, or I'll present a message to them, and I'll say, where am I missing anything? Because I want to be theologically, hermeneutically, homiletically correct in everything I say, think, and do. As I present a message, critique it. And sometimes they come back and say, have you thought about it this way? I'll go to Jeff, and I'll say, theology discussion. Think about this. Come in my office in an hour and tell me what you think. I'll come into his office, and I'll say, tell me where I've missed it on this. Because I'm setting, fixing to make a point in a message that I cannot have a loophole in it anywhere. And I'll say, find my mistake. Not because he hates me. Are you kidding? Because he loves me. He helps me. He critiques me. He raises my thinking to another level. When I tell him to talk a little slower. <laughs> Amen. When, when people come into your life, when people that, listen to me on this, who you think are the irritation of the world to you, and you just don't understand the way they think. God's maybe saying, start understanding the way they think. Joel, not everybody thinks like you. <laughs> Amen, thank you. <laughs> not everybody thinks like you. And so when God can't shake me, the critiques from my brother and others of you in this building, when I sit down and eat lunch or talk with you, it doesn't shake me either. And I have people constantly saying, Pastor, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Listen, you're not... <laughs> If I quit every time somebody hurt my feelings, pastors don't have much feeling left. <laughs> Amen? Well, we don't. Why? Because we learn not to be led by feeling. We learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So what you say is not hurting my feelings. I take what people say and I let it raise me to another level. And so this is where in your life, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. If God cannot shake you, the world can't shake you. If you're worried about what the world thinks about your vision, you need to go contend with God for a little bit longer. You need to develop your skills a little bit more. You need to wrestle with God because when you wrestle with God and God can't beat you, the world can't defeat you. Good things are going to happen. When you contend with God, you will contend with the attacks of the world and always overcome it. Listen to this. Jeremiah says this. If you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you ever compete with the horses? Did you catch that? If you've raced with men on foot and it has wearied you, how will you ever compete, compete with the horses? Listen, this, this past weekend, it shows me a ton of stuff that I'm bringing into the ministry. We did one month to live. It showed me a ton of stuff that I'm bringing into the ministry. And you know, I would love for the Way Bible Church to grow and flourish. And we have thousands of people and thousands of churches around the world. If I get worn out over one weekend, how can I expect to do it on a daily basis? Come on. God's saying, Joel, you got to rise it to another level. I know your vision. I know the vision I've given you, but you, ain't, you can't handle it yet. If you get wore out on one weekend... How are you going to contend with the horses? How are you going to contend with it every single day? How are you going to contend with it like this? And my answer is, God, I'm just going to pray in more people. <laughs> Let them contend with it. Uh-uh. Because if you can't lead the people you're contending with, your contenders will fall away because they don't have somebody to follow. Listen, when you can contend with God, you can contend with the things of the world. When you wrestle with God and win, you'll win every attack in the world. When you can't be shaken by God, you can't be shaken by the world. When you can contend with God, you can contend with every situation and every circumstance of the world. When you become a contender, God's going to change your life and raise you to a whole nother level.